0: You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this episode, Priyanka Shrestha, news editor at Energy Live News, speaks with Adam Woodall, Extinction Rebellion spokesperson and climate activist while he was at the World Economic Forum in Davos.
1: Hi, Adam. So thank you very much for joining us uh, from Davos. Um, Can you tell us uh, who you are, where you're from and what you're doing there?
0: So yeah, my name is Adam Wadola and I'm here with the Extinction Rebellion UK and uh, part of the Catalyzers team. And the reason why we've come here is because we recognise that we want to uh, uh, bring truth to power uh, because there's a lot of very powerful people here. And um, one way that you can do that is that you can glue yourself to Parliament Square. Um, Another way is actually having conversations with the powerful people um, where they are and uh, enable them to understand what is actually emotionally connect with what's happening with the climate and ecological emergency. So that's why we've uh, chosen to come to Davos.
1: So something that I think is quite interesting is you being part of Extinction Rebellion, you've got a team who's gone to Davos. Um, How did you get there? What was the idea behind it?
0: Yeah, so this is something that we've uh, recognized is something to do in the UK. We're looking to create conversation with people in power in the UK. And, And we recognize that Davos is like a very concentrated place where a lot of powerful people come. So what we did is we recognized that we we didn't want to take money from the main Extinction Rebellion funding. Um, So what we did is we put a bid into a charitable organization um, and they were very kind and saw the opportunity that we would provide in uh, taking the the truth of the emergency to the power.
1: So was it an easy transition for you to obviously as a a as a protest group um or as an activist to get into davos or because you know they've seen we've seen lots of protests with like you said um putting the hands on the uh, sticking hands on walls and you know were they were they skeptical about what you were going to do were they skeptical about maybe um the fact that you might have some big demonstrations in the middle of a a conference
0: well Interestingly, there's two sides. We needed to assure. Um, we, we've been very much helped by uh, a consultancy who work in this sort of field. And one of the things is that we assured them that we, we, our team would definitely not glue ourselves to anything. Um, and because actually, uh, that's one tactic is like kind of the kind of like blocking roads, etc. But this is a different tactic to achieve the same results, um, which is. Transforming society, um, and so we we very much committed to having conversation directly, and then also we talk to our fellow rebels, uh, the people that are more proactively getting on the street, uh, and and explain to them why it's important to have these different tactics. And um, from, from our experience, they've all been, um, you know, sort of supportive of this. Obviously, um, some, some of the rebels might be kind of like really anti-capitalist. Um, but if, if they've got a problem with this, we'll have a conversation with them person to person so it's all about how, you know how we can have better conversations
1: the whole point of extinction rebellion is getting that a conversation about climate change getting people big business and governments to tackle climate change so how did you get to davos did you fly did you get the train did you cycle
0: yeah, well, no, we, we didn't cycle. That would have been the greenest uh, option. Yeah. Uh, we got the train, which was the kind of like the compromise. But actually, it was a really lovely journey. Anybody that wants to come to Switzerland, they've got a business meeting there, highly recommend it. It's a very easy journey. And um, actually, if you use an interrail pass, um, uh, which I didn't know about, you can actually, it's pretty good value. Um, so that was a good. And obviously, we got to see uh, this uh, Swiss countryside as we uh, came into uh, uh, Davos as well. So it was a really uh, good journey. And uh, because we've recognized that, we, we need to kind of try and live the change as well as talk the change.
1: So was that a conscious decision then not to fly and get the train instead? 100%, um, that,
0: that there's a hundred percent. There's a team of seven of us here. And all of us got the train uh, there and back because of that necessity to um, be the change.
1: So trying to talk the talk and walk the walk to a certain Correct. extent. Um, yes. So let's get into what's been happening at Davos. Um, so we've had obviously the two opposites, uh, Trump and Greta. Uh, obviously, Greta in favor, Trump um, not in favor um, of tackling climate change. So w- something he said was interesting was that he warned about the dangers of listening to what he called prophets of doom. I don't know if you uh, managed to hear what he said or read about it. I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, his, on his, uh, the comments that he made while he was there on tackling climate change or not tackling climate change.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that actually um, I, well, when I was in Davos, I was just on one of the kind of mountain kind of cable cars going up to like a a restaurant up in the hills. And I just got talking to a guy and it happened actually, he he works in the Trump administration. And he um, said very similar comments to what the sort of things that Trump would say. Um, And what's interesting is that It's become a belief that this is like that climate change is nowhere near as bad as they say it is, or it's probably not happening, or and also that we can deal with it by using uh, by going to fracking. And and you could I could sense that it that's become a, a belief system. Um, and so it's not based on facts, it's not based on science. Um, so for me, what it is is that it's 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 being strong with the the fact that the facts and the science are very, very clear. Um, and not only in terms of, like, prediction, but actually the reality of what is happening now, um, which is that, you know, we're seeing the Australian bushfires, we're seeing glaciers melt, etc. cetera. Um, and so um, what it is as well with Trump, I don't take him too seriously because what Trump is interested in is being reelected. He will and basically he says anything that he thinks will appeal to his base. So talking about prophets of doom, that's just, he's just trying to appeal to his base um, to get reelected. So, you know, that's, it's kind of what's interesting, actually, to a certain extent, he can kind of help us because a lot of people in Davos actually think uh, they don't necessarily have high regard for Trump. So if Trump says something, people will kind of, semi-consciously think well the opposite must be true because they because he's you know because he's like he's kind of so interested in himself basically um and um and what's interesting actually is at davos there's a very different attitude so the founder and current still ceo of davos um he sends he sends a letter to the attendees every year and that letter um was only about climate change. And it only was saying that that all the businesses, all the organizations that are attending must be aiming for net zero. Um, And then also there was a report done where they uh, interviewed, uh, run run by World Economic Foundation. Um, um, And they said, uh, they interviewed lots of like global CEOs uh, and they do it every year and look at the risks that they are seeing. And the top five risks um, were all climate-related, all ecological-related. Um, so, and then a lot of the uh, events, um, even in the main conference center, I uh, think. So there's, I've just got a, one of the sessions is called "Averting a, a Climate Apocalypse." So that's actually that's that's what's being talked about here. Um, I'm being regularly going into the SDG tent, and so it's kind of. That's what we want to talk about. And Trump will just say what Trump's going to say to get reelected.
1: So you talked about um, Extinction Rebellion, you being there because you want to start that conversation and have that conversation. So if Trump was to stand before you, um, what would you like to say to him?
0: (laughs) Good. So what I'd be really curious about is like, um, how can we get something where we can agree on? because a lot of what happened in politics is kind of like it's become very polarized, um, and so your uh, enemy's enemy is your friend, um, and so, and that's something that I think one of the things that in Britain we've done very well uh having a cross-party consensus on the need for climate action. But what was interesting in talking to the I talked to a, basically a representative of Trump on in in Davos and. Um, I didn't, unfortunately, have time to have a, a long conversation. But what was interesting is he said he al- he'd he also worked in the Obama administration. And he said that due to politics, um, the Obama administration had wanted to get a carbon tax, but they couldn't get it through because of a democratic uh, resistance uh, for various reasons. Now, that's his perspective. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it'd be... For me, it'd be finding out where we can find some common ground and build from there. Because, you know, we've only got one planet. Um, So he wants to make America great again. And I want to make the world livable so that America can be great again. And um, that's my interest about how do we find that common ground.
1: That's an interesting way of putting it. Um, So... You talked about obviously starting that conversation, but what is the aim? What do you want to get out of being there? What does Extinction Rebellion want out of Davos, or why are you there? But
0: well, what we look to get out of being here is um, what's happening. Is as I say, the the founder of uh, the World Economic Forum is saying that you know you must go net zero. Global CEOs are saying it's the biggest risk, but we're not seeing action so uh extinction rebellions first two demands are tell the truth and then act as if the truth is real so what we're hearing is that people are telling the truth but what we're not seeing is that they're taking action as if the truth is real because it's like the the truth is our our house is on fire um and if your house is on fire you don't kind of like go right okay well i'll i'll work out how the fire brigade can uh, come next week to help out uh, with uh, reconstructing our house um, you get the fire brigade there straight away and in fact you ring all your friends and say can you come and help uh, with this and then parts of the house are going to be burnt down and we're going to need we're going to need to work together and collaborate and so we're hearing good uh, statements but we're, we're not seeing the action yet and uh, in, and in, and in the past that was kind of be okay because the 30 years ago the climate narrative was that we had time but we don't have time now we're we're, we're possibly past the point of no return but so whatever happens we're going to have severe climate disruption as has happened in australia where you know Tens, hundreds of thousands of people have had their homes burnt or their livelihoods affected. And, you know, hundreds of people, unfortunately, have died. And that's unfortunately just a small level of what could be coming at us. So we need the people with the real power now to be using that power, taking responsibility for that power that they have and making radical and massive changes. Because the key thing, we have all the solutions that we need. To virtually all the planetary problems that we have um, we just need to implement them rapidly and then stop using the things that don't work for us so we new, replace you know fossil fuels with renewables uh, we've got alternatives to plastic we've got we've got all we need um, we might not be able to jet into um, Davos um, because that's one thing that we don't have electric planes yet but apart from that, we've pretty much got everything that we need um, so that's, it's about bringing that conversation so we take it from an intellectual thinking that we need to do something to an emotional way of doing it
1: um, So what's the mode been like there uh, while you've been there and what kind of discussions have there been?
0: So it's, it's been really great and very open. Um, so the, we haven't, when we've been going out with the team and I've had feedback from them is that they've, they've not been finding basically any resistance to, um, the concept of the emergency. Um, and there's a few people that obviously question uh, extinction rebellion tactics if they know about our tactics and that's fine we, we we're we're not here we're rebels we're not here to be everybody's friend we're here to kind of try and uh, really kind of ring that alarm bell to make sure people hear it loudly um but when we're talking about the emergency uh people get it and there are people you know i had a conversation um, a couple of nights ago with the executive chairman of uh, a steel company who have 40,000 staff globally. So a very large steel company. And uh, he got very, very animated because actually he's doing, uh, his business is already doing brilliantly. They've got a commitment to be carbon neutral by 2030, which is 20 years before all his competitors. Um And the conversation that I was really interested in having with him is that then how does he work with governments, with his supply chain, and particularly with his competitors, so that actually, rather than 2050 being the norm, 2030 is the norm. And that's why Extinction Rebellion, you know, our job is not to be reasonable, is not to be kind of like, kind of look at how you kind of work politically or reasonably economically. That's why we say actually 2025, based on our understanding of the science, 2025 is when UK must be carbon uh, net net zero because um, and that would require basically a transformation of the UK economy we recognize that but wouldn't 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 you say that transformation sorry just to finish we'd rather have a transformation of the UK economy than a transformation of the UK environment so that basically we don't have a livable environment Um, so yeah
1: so 2025, wouldn't you say um, that is a little bit unrealistic? There might be people who are businesses who say they have to make, like you say, big transformations uh, across business, across economy to reach that 2025 goal. So do you not think that is a little bit unrealistic?
0: It is. Yes, it's it, absolutely. But let's go back to that fire engine analogy, that fire brigade. It's like my house is on fire. I pick up the phone. I ring the fire brigade. Hello. So, uh, my, fires, my house is on fire. Can you come now, please? Sorry, you're saying you can't come until next week? What? I need you here now. Well, why aren't you coming? Our house is on fire. We can't wait until 2050 for the fire brigade to turn up. We need them here now. So we can't wait for uh, that. And yes, it's going to cause disruption. Yes, it's going to change our economy. Yes, we don't know how we're going to do it. But yes, we have to do it if we want livable conditions. If you and I um, want to be able to to, to have a livable life in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years time, if that our children and grandchildren want that livable life in 50 60 70 100 years time we've got to make the changes immediately and radically and massively if we have to do that so the only lo- if you look at the science the only logical thing to do is treat it as a true emergency as if our house is burning down and if our house is burning down you don't wait for the fire brigade because what you do is the fire brigade turns tells you you're not coming along so you ring all your friends. And you say, I need you around here. We need to do something about this. We need to uh, put out the fire. Can we work together? And so that's what we need to do. If, you know, and that's why Extinction Rebellion has settled, because basically the government wasn't picking up the phone. It wasn't even picking up the phone. So we got on the streets and demanded action. And then government started talking about it. And I think with Greta, with David Attenborough's you know, Blue Planet, that's why... We are now starting to see these conversations happening. And also the fact that there's lots of other people been doing amazing work on this, but we're starting to see that tipping point that people are taking it realistically.
1: So what would you suggest then government should do uh, moving forward and maybe perhaps bringing the uh, 2050 date forward for net zero goal?
0: Well, I think, you know, for me, it's got to bring the, the net zero goal forward rapidly. And the thing is, is there's businesses, there's cities, there's regions that are recognising that, um, and they've got much more robust um, goals. And then the key thing is, is that yeah, at this very moment, we don't know the exact answers. And I'm, I'm a good generalist when it comes to climate change. I'm not uh, kind of you know like I'm not like a subject matter expert, but I know having studied things like uh, there's a, a book that somebody or on a website called Project Drawdown, ProjectDrawdown.org. And that's got all the solutions in. And we we can't and we need to fast forward all those solutions very rapidly so that we can um basically not only mitigate the amount of carbon that we're coming out, but also we need to start to do some adaptation because we're going to have some problems. There's going to be more flooding, there's going to be more extreme weather. But then also we need to do restorative. We need to be um, rewilding parts great big swathes of the UK um, both because that's just a good thing to do but then also because actually um, that will help suck out some of the carbon because yes we're going to need to go to transition we can't just switch it off um, we recognize that you, you can't just switch things off but it's like you know going back to the fire engine analogy we need to switch on some fire hoses like immediately we can't wait for those fire hoses to be switched on and we need to switch on multiple fire hoses to put it out as quickly as possible because the house is burning down and every year that we leave it more of the house burns down Uh,
1: and finally what would you say to all of those critics out there who uh, may say that you are just because you're from part of extinction rebellion you're just a bunch of rebels who are here to disrupt what would you say to them
0: So I mean, yes, absolutely, we're here to disrupt. Because the thing was, is that for decades, literally decades, people tried politely and nicely and within the rules of the law to sound the alarm, to enable people to understand what's happening. And not enough change. Changes happened and we totally, I personally have been working in this industry for nearly 15 years and I can see that changes have happened. And obviously in the UK, we are a, a global leader on uh, renewables. But uh, that, that change should have happened 25 years ago, not five years ago, as it did do. Um, we should be... Pretty much we could be nearly 100 percent powered by renewables and but uh, if we had like you know the, if we create a system in the UK, we could be nearly 100 uh, percent by now if we' have made that choice back in the day, but we didn't. Um, so we're, we're, we're way behind where we need to be, and we're still not taking it seriously in many other areas. so we will keep on demanding, but also we want conversation. This is why I wanted to, to get on this conversation with you. Um, to help people understand that uh, this is this is an emergency, we need to take action now. We need to have conversation, whether it's with Trump, whether it's with Greta, or whether it's just down the down the pub, going, "Oh, what the hell can my company do?" Because we know we we know we've got the opportunity, but it's difficult, um, and it's uh, you know, or even if some of uh, the the viewers or listeners are um, so minded come and join Extinction Rebellion. You don't have to get arrested. Um, I I run parts of the uh, rebellion, which are not about getting arrested. It's about having these conversations we're doing now. So it's all about how we create conversation.
1: Okay, thank you very much for your time, Adam. And I'll speak to you soon and enjoy Davos.
0: Thank you very much. And um, I feel slightly guilty saying that I probably will enjoy Davos. But I can assure people that I'm not paid to be in Davos. I'm here as a volunteer, and just my expenses are being covered. So, uh, but it is very beautiful here, and it is a real it is a real privilege to be here. So I'm very grateful to be able to be speaking to you um, from this this amazing place and just this amazing planet. So what I'm wanting to do is uh, work and collaborate with so many other humans to enable to keep this amazing thing, which is our ecosystem in a way that can support uh, our society and life so thank you thanks for listening to this future net zero podcast please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com future net zero better business better planet